You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma podcast. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Excited to share this episode with you today. But before we do, I've got to thank our sponsors. First of all, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. They've been a huge part of this podcast for the last few years. So the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been sharing Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com. And for daily updates, go to Oklahoma HOF on Instagram and give them a follow. Our other sponsor today is the Chickasaw Nation. Now, the Chickasaw Nation have sponsored pretty much everything in Oklahoma. They're a huge supporter of Oklahoma. And it's an honor to have their name and their brand supporting this podcast. So a huge shout out to Governor Anatoby for supporting this podcast. It really means a lot. Our third sponsor is Diffie Ford Lincoln down in El Reno. Now, this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine, um, play a lot of golf together. I've bought my cars from them. Do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, host, back with another episode. Gives me great pleasure to welcome to the, today's podcast Mr. Adam Bradshaw of Midbin OKC. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, mate. Thanks for inviting me uh, to your uh Wonderful business. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. And seeing everything. It's great. Yeah. Um, it's great yeah. to get context. It's great to see, um, you know, the the process, right? Like, you know, you've got truckloads of stuff showing up here from all over the country, and then you do your thing, and now you have a showroom, and then you ship it out. It's awesome. Exactly. Uh, that's podcast. Done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, Three steps. Exactly. But, you know, as we do on the podcast, kind of set some context, tell your story a little bit, how you end up in this business, and, and just kind of have a passion for it, and, and obviously made a business out of it. Um Tell me a little bit about you. Where were you born and raised? Yeah, man. I was born uh, in Choctaw, Oklahoma. Uh, so that's literally like 20 minutes east of Oklahoma City. And uh, so born and bred here. Uh, left a little bit to do some corporate work with AT&T, which is uh, kind of what the last 10 years was uh, before Midbin started. And so, um, but I can tell you when my wife and I were walking through a... Salvation Army, I'll never forget it, off a tent. And I saw this piece of furniture and I was like, man, I think I could make that look just a little bit better. Like, I really do. And um, so that was after learning that, like, my number one strength was restorative and taking all of these tests, of course, like um, a lot of people do just to kind of learn about themselves. But I took it home, literally went to Home Depot, bought a like $40 Ryobi sander and had some stain, looked up some things online and literally took it home. And I think it took me like three weeks. I just sat there, didn't know what to do, sanded it, did everything wrong. Uh, and then just put it back up on marketplace to sell it. And it sold, I think in like a day. 
and uh, and the guy was out of Dallas of all things, and uh, I didn't know how to ship at that point, and so he came up to get it. And he goes, man, you should really, you know, start a business out of this. You should, you should start like an Instagram page is actually what he said. And, uh, and I did. And the rest was pretty much history. It started from there. And uh, Midbin was born in 2018. Wow. So yeah. it's, uh, it's amazing, right? When you just think, oh, I'm just going to do this because it's just a fun project. And yeah. then you find something like, wait a second. And then it sells. You're like, yeah. okay, this is kind of a win-win hopefully right. I can do this again it's not just like beginner's luck uh, backing up Choctaw um, normal kid running around hands in stuff just like yeah. you know, running around the dirt kind of thing exactly we raised on. on two to three acres and so we had a pond uh, it was normal for us to raise ducks and geese and release them out onto the pond like each year like that's just what we did we fed the catfish in the pond uh four-wheelers dirt bikes you name it i had lifted jeeps in high school so it was the it was every bit of country as you could probably think of yeah. uh but at the same time uh looking back now like i was always just working and tinkering and fixing things uh so i mean in the period of three years uh in high school i think it's it's four now nine through twelve out in choctaw but then it was ten through twelve uh, I had four different Jeeps that I would build up and resell. Yeah. And I would lift them. I'd put big tires on them, put big lift kits on them. And so I literally did that all through high school and just kind of made side cash for fixing up Jeeps and selling them. Yeah. So the entrepreneur in you is, 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 is <laughs> happened way before 2018 then, obviously. Yeah. Looking back now, for sure. It's just, you know, it didn't rear its head until yeah. my late, early 30s. So. In, in doing, so in doing that in high school and making side cash and thinking, like, do you think I could do this for the rest of my life? Or do you think, ah, I should probably go to university? Man, uh, no, it was, it was, it was the university side of things for sure. Uh, then it was still just something I didn't, I didn't quite know exactly what it was. And so, um, at the same time though, college wasn't my thing either. Like I went to college, uh, and I only lasted two years. And so I was like, man, I just, I can't sit in a room. I can't focus. I've always just been a hands-on learner. And so, and, and the classroom for me just wasn't the spot for that. And yeah. so um, I left at 22 and, <laughs> and, and just entered the workforce at that point. So, yeah. um, and that was the AT&T job where I was outside sales and that's when my sales actually really started. So, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, sounds like you spent a while at AT&T then. Yeah. Yeah. That took me from, uh, Stillwater, which is OSU where we were at school. And then, uh, that took me up to Stillwater or, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Broken Arrow, Tulsa onto, uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, down to San Antonio, Texas, which is where I met my wife, brought me back to Fayetteville and then, uh, back into Oklahoma city. So just the air compressor. Just the air compressor. Uh, so you meet your wife down in San Antonio while you're on your travels working for AT&T? Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's from Houston, so she had never been to Oklahoma or Arkansas or any of that. And uh, and so they, they opened up a position for me back in Fayetteville. And I was like, hey, what do you think about moving to Arkansas? And she was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. You know, she's got you know, cabins pictured in her head with people with banjos on the front porch. But when I left Northwest Arkansas, it was the best place I'd ever been as far as, you know, nature and 
I had gotten into cycling really big at that time. So, uh, Fayetteville was just awesome for that. So yeah, those that don't know Northwest Arkansas for cycling, gravel cycling, just downhill and everything really is, uh, it's a huge spot. Yeah. The Waltons have done some amazing work with some of that stuff. Are you still into cycling? Yeah. Yeah. I ride probably still four to five times a week. Okay. So road or gravel? I actually do it indoor now. Okay. So I have rollers yeah. and I just set my rollers up in my little room and just probably, it ends up being like an hour, but it ends up being normally like 20 to 25 miles a ride. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but yeah, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, it's a blast. Um, I wish I could get out more. Uh, I don't <laughs> use my bike enough. Um, again, we, we have a Peloton and I, I, my wife uses it. I don't use it. Um, yeah. Oh, I do use it, but I don't use it as much as she does. Uh, honestly, it scares me because just like it's it's just pain looking at me in my office every day. Right. Which I kind of need to do anyway. But you know, it's just the Pelotons are cool though. They are very. I cool. almost I almost broke down and got one, but I was yeah. like, I just I just loved my road bike. Do you have your kind of laptop in front of you set up to like an I, like an online kind I of don't. thing? I'm so basic, no? man. It's okay. so sad. I just literally I have my little computer on the bars, mm-hmm. and uh, I set my timer on my phone, kind of like on a pedestal, just like this, yeah. and uh, set it in front of my TV, literally. And I'll just watch like trash like reality shows while I'm on it, yeah. and yeah zone out so nice. normally it ends up being like uh what is it my wife got me into it man she turned it on one day and i was like i'm not going to get into the show uh blow deck on okay. hg yeah trash tv exactly yeah 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 <laughs> and so uh it's a lot of fun though yeah so i love it would you like do you consider like doing, going out and doing races every now and then and just like uh i used to in san antonio um but i only did two and so the longest one was 45 miles and so um after that long one which was the second one i was like man this is tough and then i switched over to swimming laps at that point <laughs> so. i mean you had run into that and you're gonna be an iron man soon right you can't yeah. it all if you can swim you're good man uh, it's the running part that i cannot uh, grasp so it's swimming for me i don't mind running it's the swimming i can really i'm not a good swimmer at all i need to learn properly how to swim especially wow. open water so i swam uh kind of just like on a little club team in tulsa mm-hmm. and just did freestyle uh was was my category mm-hmm. and uh and i loved it but i was just too short like i was just yeah. getting smoked by the you know the six six guys and so it's not uh, fair at that point yeah i was like dude i'm done like but i still every once in a while will go jump in a pool yeah so. So obviously pretty active growing up, always outside, running around, um, fixing lifted Jeeps and, and selling those for side cash. You kind of have a base for being entrepreneurial and working on things, buying and selling and fixing. Um, what was your, getting into the furniture side of things, what was your um, like interest in furniture before that 2018 moment? Um, I, I, you know... I don't know if it was furniture per se, um, as much as it was just an overall look and feel for something to be clean aesthetically. Um, and I think that the furniture and specifically the genre that we're in is just kind of where I found that to really cultivate itself. And so, um, 
you know, that was, I, I kind of related back to a time in my life when, um, you know, I had lived with my grandmother for several years and she, uh, just had an impeccable taste. It was whenever I went to Tulsa for AT&T instead of whenever I was trying to find my spot, uh, I lived with her, but she, you know, had 15 throw pillows on the bed that I was staying in. So I had to learn how to make my bed with 15 throw pillows, you know? So I came very attuned to how things should be orderly put together. Uh, You know, my grandmother one time went to, uh, a liquor store because she was trying to just put this little display case together, but she took her measuring tape because she knew what height the bottles needed to be in order to make it look a certain way. So we're literally in the back of a liquor store and she's just measuring bottles that are different colors as well. So it also blends together. And that's just like what I was exposed to for several years and her designer that would come over. And so, um, I just was like, what is how? Like, I didn't even know that things could look a certain way at that point. And so um, that's, I think, is where it really kind of nest egged. And then I went into sales and kind of started doing this on the side. But my house, my, the way things were uh, outside of work for even what I was doing uh, at home, like, were always in a certain way or a certain, you know, frame of mind, a sense of, uh, it just aesthetically would flow or there would be an even level of how the rooms would move around. So, yeah, Yeah. uh, but I mean, I can tell you, I was one of my first apartments in Fayetteville. Actually, like I just, I've always kind of had that artistic side as well too. Like what's behind you was something that I had created. And so, um, one of my apartments, I painted one of the major walls, like a huge Tetris board like squared it up perfectly and everything. And I just remember the manager coming back in and saw it. She was like, you're definitely going to lose your deposit. And I was like, <laughs> she was like, how many coats of paint did this take? And I was like 25. And she was like, oh, and she just walked out. That was it. So uh, it wasn't always furniture, you know, while I was off, you know, vacationing around the tri-state area. But uh it was it was being opened up in other areas as well too where i was trying to find that as well so so you draw a lot of inspiration from your grandmother then from that time a lot of that time yeah that's where that really kind of kicked in for me so um and then just the natural innate ability that growing up kind of in the country working with your hands that kind of thing that gets kind of taught to you uh you know when your truck breaks down and you got to figure out how to fix it because you're the only one that's going to be around that mentality of I've got to be able to fix it or, or, or do it, you know, it mm-hmm. all just kind of culminated in 2018, 2017. Yeah. So I feel like that mentality is getting lost for sure. Right. For sure. I'm useless at that stuff. Like, <laughs> I can change a tire. I can change a light bulb. I can do most. Well, I say that I can do a few things, but like when stuff starts breaking, I call someone cause like I, yeah. One, I don't have the patience to fix it myself. And two, I will probably make it a lot worse. Yeah. And you know what's, you know what's funny is um, the, the, the ability to be able to fix or repair or do stuff like that was actually like a byproduct of 
the true nature, which is underneath it, which is just learning how something works, Mm -hmm. which sounds weird, right? When a piece of wood is broken, like obviously you know how that works, but in order to know how to put it back together. So just a system of processes, an algorithm at the end of the day, but, um, growing up, I loved Legos. Like that was just what I expressed my, like it was like, oh, I got to get this out. And so I would just buy these massive Lego sets. But the th- bad thing about Legos is once you build them, like they're on the shelf collecting that dust. Lot. Yeah, yeah. Unless you buy one of the trains or something. But uh, so I quickly had to move on to stuff that I was able to, to you know, actually use and, and utilize. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it just came from just wanting to know how things worked internally how, how do you actually operate within that and so uh by wanting to learn that i learned how to actually do a lot of the processes to fix it mm-hmm. so leading up to that moment then in, in you know where, where you buy that table and restore it and sell it straight away had you had examples like in your area or in your world that people were doing this or friends that were doing it that you think like this may be a good idea i can do that no no uh self-taught um when I, when the page got a little heat underneath it, I got connected with a local guy here in Edmond named Willie Graber, mm-hmm. uh, William Graber, Graber Design. And uh, he took me underneath his wing for probably the first six or seven months with the refinishing stuff. And so a lot of the uh, techniques and, and the way that you can spray and fix things and, and manipulate it, uh, you know, he, I would just be texting him in my garage. Hey, <laughs> the the top coats blurred out you know like what do i what do i need to do okay well you need to get mineral spirits and wipe it this way and you know so i had that for a while then i think i was just like okay i gotta stop bugging him and you know figure this out and so uh but you know we like we just talked two days ago so we still are really good friends on that level and so um but yeah like the lights that you saw in the back room like he actually gave those to me Mm -hmm when I went full time like three years ago. So, um, a lot of the, a lot of that stuff initially was, was with Willie. So. Yeah. Willie is great. Uh, Um, I met him a couple of times. He, uh, he does some really cool stuff. Dude, his tables are sweet, dude. Yeah. And not just the tables, right? Like it's everything. And so, um, but yeah, yeah, his stuff is immaculate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so you said you you kind of worked out of your garage then for two years and then went full time twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Um, it started more uh, in our rent house there, and then we bought a house up in Edmond, and then started and just shifted then, and then yeah, twenty twenty uh, September ninth. Mm-hmm. So literally just rolled three years last month. So. Um, it was in the garage for about six months, and then we went into a storage unit facility. Yeah. And uh, and so if you look further back on the pages, you can see this. We're in a storage unit facility, but it was inside and uh, ended up occupying four units, which ended up being close to the size of this building almost, and just storage units. And uh, but the refinishing was taking off so much that the owners were getting upset that the lacquer spray was consuming an indoor storage facility. People were coming in there to get, you know, their grandmother's stuff out and getting hit with lacquer. So they're like, you got to leave. So, uh, we came here in February of 21. And so it'll be two years in this building in February. Yeah. So 
So take me through that process then of like, I'm selling my first one. Like, you know, how, how quick do you go buy, you know, the next one and how does that unfold to going full time? Um, man, it, it snowballed fairly quickly. I think once I, once I noticed because the, the mid century stuff wasn't what I initially started with, um, it was funny. We were just selling stuff out of our house technically. And so I, I, but when I got to that first piece that I had refinished and it sold quickly, I was like, maybe there's something to this. So I just started searching for, uh, the next one locally, um, and would literally just get off work and go pick it up. Now it didn't matter if there was one or two in the garage or three that still hadn't sold. I was just still actively trying to collect the inventory at that point and then um, sell it as it could come. And so um, there's been a lot of iterations and, and variations that have kind of been implemented as far as how the sales process goes. But what I found the best that worked for us was just one a day. Mm-hmm. So if I could just kind of keep up one a day and that was even started in the garage. And so that was just a really good steady flow and a goal for me starting out of, of being able to just see if that was an even flow. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but it went, it went really quick. Like it was like, Oh man. And back then, you know, pre COVID pre all of that, even it was, it was a lot more readily available to find. Um, and now it's gotten a lot harder just because everyone's still trying to dig for the same gold. And so, uh, locally it's, it's, it's a lot more tough. So yeah. at that early time, then you're just kind of picking up things for nothing at estate sales and garage sales and Facebook marketplace. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And some of those, you know, thankfully I had the job where I was an outside salesman, but I, uh, you know, there'd be moments even that I can recall, you know, Hey, I'll come now, you know what I mean? And so thankfully that's, leveled out now since the scope is opened up and all of that. But yeah, when it, it was like fight or flight, you know what I mean? Like, okay, I'm going to push, I was, you know, regretfully, but like pushing sales calls about, okay, I got to go pick this up and do this because I knew the value of what that was. And so, uh, yeah, I think it lasted, um, it lasted almost two years before I went full time with mm-hmm. it. So, um, about a year and 10 months. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a great feeling. It was scary. It's sure. so it's scary. It's so scary. Uh, but yeah, it was, it's, it still is really cool. I mean, you know, we found the name on a word generator. So like, uh, the first, the first name I think initially was like mid-century modern OKC or something like that, but it was extremely long. And I was like, this just is not clean. It doesn't, it doesn't just, it just doesn't work at the end of the day. And, uh, it doesn't exemplify anything that I would even want to put up on a letterhead even. And, uh, so we typed literally all of that into a, uh, word generator page on Google. And it was like on the sixth or seventh page and it was all lowercase and it was by itself just like dead center in like a column of five. And I was like, that's it right there two syllables done simple clean and uh and then my wife's friend does like light uh uh artwork i can't think of the name of it uh graphic art Mm -hmm. and uh and made the logo and so that was it 
the your, your official then when you have yeah, the logo. Right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so no, that was the business cards. When the business cards came in, that was the official. That's mark. the official. So, uh, so you do a lot of business then. You collect a lot of stuff from Instagram. Um, do I collect it from Instagram? I mean, I mean, just like you. I mean, you get a lot of your business from Instagram yeah, account. Yeah. Obviously, you have a good following on Instagram and post a lot of stuff. And right, right, right. It's clean, and you keep a great um, theme throughout. Right, Instagram right, right. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's Instagram, and then there's also First Dibs. We have a First Dibs page and account online that is uh, their their footprint's a little bit larger. And so, um, as far as what my reach is um, in terms of what we're dealing with, so um, those are really the only two avenues right now. And then the word of mouth that has just kind of come locally and and nationally as people have repeated and and told their friends as well too. Yeah, yeah. So. What's it been like getting into the community then, getting into like that mid-century community? And, you know, you said that generally wasn't the plan, but obviously you saw a need and, and a focus in that. And, you know, it seems something that you'd be good at. Like, what's the community been like? Um, it's been really good. You know, it's we're all kind of on our little islands, to be honest. Uh there's a lot of guys that I've known for five, six years that I've never actually spoke to out of Instagram, but you know, because they're in Chicago or because they're in Kansas city or Dallas or whatever that may be. Uh, but it's been great, uh, supportive, uh, you know, a lot of help in IDing things. If, if we can't find it, uh, even just yesterday, I got a message asking for a reference for somebody because one guy was wanting to buy something that was a little bit pricier and didn't really know if it was legit or not. So, um, it's been refreshing at the same time as well. Um, and it, it pushes and challenges me even still when I start to see, uh, cool things come out. I'm like, Oh, I didn't think about using it like that or, 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 um, you know, changing up the lighting or you know maybe using that staging techniques or not but uh outside of that yeah i wish i've always kind of wanted to get all of us together in one room because to my knowledge like the five or six that i've really kept in touch with over the last you know five years like still like none of us have met each other and so um but yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun and even just the community here locally that aren't like dealers that are just the supporters and 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 my own clients here like it's been really great because it's taken me to places and it's uh introduced me to places or people that you know i would have never been able to and just the friendships that have been able to come out of that has been really cool and so um I'm very grateful for that side of it. So something that I never thought would come from it. So no, that, that, that's super neat, right? To have that friendships, community, people you can rely on, people you can have as references or give references. And, and then also people you can just can't, like William, right? You can bounce ideas off and ask for advice. Yeah. And um, what about kind of diving into the history then of mid-century modern and like the whole, I mean, it seems like it's on a rocket ship resurgence and has been. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, you try to read as much as you can to see, uh, where it's headed or where it's going. And there is real, no 
shortage in it, uh, and and it w- and there won't be until some of the newer companies kind of calm down with it as well too, because that's really what's driving it as well. But on the flip side to that, outside of just aesthetically, it's also um, what's driving it is the uh, just the way that it's actually structurally built uh, is a lot more uh, durable than what's being put out today by a lot of the more mainstream companies. And so now you have your higher tiered uh furniture companies that are out there that are really well built um you know they're on probably a year delay on getting it or uh, it's going to cost an arm and a leg to get um but when you come and get the actual thing that you know might be 70 years old for half the price that um you could have refinished and and looked a certain way that you want like you're going to be a little bit more limited into what is available um, just because, like I said, it's, it's not being made anymore. So you're kind of dependent on the market, but um, it's what is actually made out of. It's it's the real walnuts, the pines, the it's the oak, and so a lot of what you have underneath that is is a solid substrate uh, of wood, um, as opposed to some of the press stuff that's being put out today. Yeah. So you're not just going to IKEA and grabbing a bunch of flat packs to put it together, right? I cannot. Oh my gosh, dude. Uh, when I moved to San Antonio, I was introduced to Ikea. That was the first one I ever went to. It was in Round Rock, north yeah. of Austin. And uh, it took me a week to put my entire one-bedroom studio apartment together. And it didn't make it out of that apartment. Like, I, I mean, it made it out of the apartment, right? Like, I got it to the next spot. But it died in that apartment because it was just so unstable. And it was just terrible. So... Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me then about like the build quality and the joints and and the wood and like how how that is just because people listening might have no idea what you're talking about. So talk to me about like the the build quality of the stuff that you do, the mid-century modern stuff, the fact that it's still around and then you get to refurbish the stuff that's been around for tens of decades. For sure. I think think the quality of the build in and of itself right then uh, with it still being around 70 years later, you know, is is a testament as to what is actually being done. But uh, the joinery, uh, once you kind of get into the higher end stuff with the mid-century stuff, there's no real mechanical fasteners. So there's no screws, there's no uh, bolts, anything like that. They actually would use real uh, wood doweling um, in it. So glue and dowels essentially. Uh, And then and a lot of the joinery would be like dovetails, um, tenon, let's see. Uh, the, the way that it's actually being put together is, for instance, like the Ikea furniture has a lot of like those slip screws in them to where you put screws into pressed wood and then you just turn a little plastic or metal screw with the flathead screwdriver, right? And it kind of like countersinks and locks in. Well, over time, that screw is just going to pull right out of that substrate. Well, with a lot of this stuff, it's going to be a solid uh, wood underneath it that you're going to be able to actually hold into uh, whenever you uh, get it put back together. And so... um, even even with some of the older pieces that were made, uh, like what's behind you right now or what's sitting right here, these are all solid pieces. And so if you ever see pieces that kind of join up on the side that have kind of like a 90 degree cut, those are called miter joints. And so when they're fully exposed out like that, that means that's a solid piece of walnut sitting right there. So that's solid wood that you're looking at across the whole thing, um, especially what's all the equipment that is sitting on right there. And so, uh, and as 
I mean, everything just evolved, especially within the last 20 to 30 years with pricing and all of that. I mean, you just look at the cost efficiency towards being able to mainline stream a lot of the cheaper, lower end products and and pieces, but you can still kind of get that same space filled Mm -hmm. for maybe a little bit less, but it's not going to last as long. And so uh, being able to kind of customize something that, you know, will last at least, you know, another Mm-hmm. 50 to 60 years is, is that peace of mind as well. So Yeah, and because of that, there's like the generational thing too, right? Like you've got some heirlooms. of these pieces of furniture that are heirlooms that have been passed down through generation to yeah. generation, right? Because they've been built to last. And yeah. I'm sure you've heard many stories of that too. Those That table that I showed you that was sitting in there, the round one, uh, that actually is exactly what that is. And so it was his dad's table that he had purchased brand new uh, in 63. And they had just now got it out of storage three weeks ago and dropped it off to have it fully redone. So it'll come out of here in another few weeks and be brand new and so um, and there's a lot of other things that we can do as well too so like that doesn't have a leaf on it so we're going to build out custom leaf form as well too so he can open it and expand it as it would have but somewhere along the line the leaves just got lost or something and so uh, that has taken priority over now just the pieces that I used to do at home to resell so once that kind of got out and build and spiraled you know one person just off the cuff was like hey can you kind of like do this and uh, I was like, yeah, I think I can. And so that was the start of really kind of the custom uh, restoration side of stuff. Yeah. So, and you said that's kind of taken over more of like oh, yeah. buying in truckloads or whatever to just resell yourself. A hundred percent. Yeah. So all the inventory that comes in now is pretty much ready to go in its vintage condition. Uh, we basically do like a 12 point, you know, car inspection on it, you know, but uh, so we tighten up any of the screws, polish it, dust it, uh, decontaminizing it essentially you know clean it and uh list it get it sold there are pieces that will come in uh that definitely you know have some busted finishes on it that need to get need to get sold and so or refinished and so uh those just kind of get kicked back over into another pile and then i'll get started on those but uh believe it or not, going back to earlier, whenever I had said, like, I'm just really old school, uh, I have a legitimate Rolodex uh, of people who have messaged in uh, through the page that have just said, hey, I'm looking for this or I'm looking for that. And I'll put them in the Rolodex. I'm not kidding you. And, uh, and so when that comes up, whether or not he's refinishing or not, like I can, I can normally reach out to some of those people and be like, Hey, like this just came in. Are you still interested? And a lot of times they, they are, or, you know, they've, they've found something else, which is totally fine. But there's kind of like a process that is even, uh, kind of weeded out then as well too. So, yeah, well, and then you keep your, like you're building a huge client base and when you're calling, you know, maybe even months after someone's asked you something, it shows you you still really care. Sure. Right? Sure. Building yeah. a loyal fan base, loyal yeah. client base is, is huge yeah. for the longevity of business. Yeah. And a lot of that, again, was just instilled from, from doing sales. That was mm. all client base. You know, I had a book of business when I was with AT&T. And so mm. a lot of that was just the innate touch points is what we call them, you mm-hmm. know. And so, and I had a Rolodex back then too. So when I transferred over, I was like, oh, I'm just going to use the same one. So, uh, but it's a lot of fun and uh, being able to just kind of keep the relationship side of stuff going as well too is, is, is great. So, uh, like I just spoke with Noah yesterday even. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's really cool to see what has come out of it with even, um, 
the friendship side of stuff. Uh-huh. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, tell me a little bit about the process of then, you know, like, so you got truckloads coming in, you know, a couple of times a week. How does that all work? And how has that evolved over time of you, you know, picking up stuff when you were working for AT&T to now, like you've got stuff coming in from all over the country. So like, oh, how, how has that evolved? Uh, so when it started in the garage, I would have to uh, literally go to my wife's place of employment switch out my sedan for her little jeep liberty and i would have to go get these big pieces hanging out of the jeep liberty and then we would just stay with those cars for the rest of the day and she hated it she hated it uh that's why i always tried to do them on the weekends and so um that was back when there was maybe like one or two pieces a week um I started renting uh, Sprinter vans, which I'm not even for sure if you can now through Hertz. Hertz had the best deal. I don't mean to put them out, but uh, it was like $20 a day, unlimited miles. I don't know how they got away with it. I mean, they went bankrupt eventually, so I guess they did it, but uh, they had the best. And so when it started to pick up, I think around five to six pieces, uh, I didn't start renting the vans until I went full-time though. So I was able to maintain and kind of get a line of sight, uh, with just the Jeep Liberty. I was like, man, I think there's a lot more out there that I could do, but I, the time restraint, even with an outside sales job, like I got to eliminate. And so, uh, when I severed that off, I started renting a cargo van for two days a week. It was Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I would do all my pickups on Tuesdays and I would do all my deliveries on Wednesdays. And then I would get it back to Hertz before five on Wednesday before I got charged for Thursday, you know? And so, uh, as that started to pick up, I was spending more on rental van fees and gas than I was my car payment for the sedan. And I was like, what? I was like, there's no way I'm about to trade my car in right now for a cargo van. There's no flipping way. I was like, you know, I call my business advisor six months in. It's I think it's February of 21 at this point. And I'm like, do I get a Ford like the Dodge? I don't I don't know which one to get. And so uh, but renting from Hertz, I had driven pretty much all of them. And so anyways, it was a really easy transition at that point. Once I kind of got over the hump of pulling up to Metro Ford OKC and saying, I got to trade this in for that. And they just looked at me and they were like, what are you trying to get into right now? (laughs) So I was like, look, man, just keep the payments the same and we'll be good. And they were like, okay, we can do it. And so I drove, it's not out there right now, but I drove the, the big old cargo van around for a daily for a year we we just you know and we were a small family still at that time we we only had maddox our oldest at the time and uh but yeah like one daily that was it or yeah one one four-door car and the, it was the cargo van and so it, out of working out of storage units at that point so it was a real like bootstrap situation and so uh <laughs> yeah i will never forget pulling up to metro ford and they were like they just really confusedly looked at me and they were like, you want to, okay. And uh, I'll never, I had a, I had a delivery that had to be made that next day. And I was sitting at Ford because I didn't know. And what caused me to have to even push to go buy my own was, uh, I didn't know in holiday season, uh, the bigger companies, Amazon, all of them will go in and outright get all the vans. And not only will they get the vans, but they'll also like buy out all the reservations, which is what I had. And so I was like, 
oh, I can't just like run into this again. And so, uh, yeah, man, the van is big. She just rolled 70,000 yesterday. So, uh, that's awesome. she's been a workhorse. And then I got the old forerunner not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's so cool. Uh, tell me about just kind of like how you shop then from, from that moment, right? Obviously you got, you know, you, you moved up to get a van, but like, how do you get stuff from all over the world to come here? Like, are you shopping online? Are you got, like, yeah. how does that work? Um, so I used to, I used to, um, I, uh, I have buyers in different cities at this point. Um, pretty metropolitan cities that are located all over the country, mostly the Midwest. Uh, and it's a real simple process. I, I am no longer, attuned to if it's from marketplace an estate sell um or just a garage sell unless otherwise told and so or if i'll see sometimes like man this is in really great shape can you tell me about it and then they'll have the story for it and so um and then what happens is it's literally just a, a picture and a, and a text message and it's a thumbs up or a thumbs down and it's real archaic. And, uh, and so we have storage units in each one of those other cities as well too. And so we'll fill up centrally those storage units. And so whoever has the most uh, pieces in their storage unit for that week is where the van will go. And so, uh, and then that happens probably two or three times a month. So the van's moving, and then out of that is how we started uh, our own um, shipping process as well, too. So we started moving so much in uh, that we were selling it almost right back to those same cities. And so we just were like, well, let's just start running it backwards as well, too. And then we started getting into the nationwide shipping aspect of it. And so now we, we, we holistically own the shipping side, too. So that's fun. Nice yeah. arm too. That's an extra arm to business, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so those are all sold sitting out there. And it, that just came from working with contracted shippers uh, for the last two years um, through apps like Uship and, and figuring out how they kind of did business and operated and, and, and what worked and didn't work for. I mean, I've probably met 30 shippers in the last two years. I mean, it's a it's a very high turnover. A lot of those guys are just maybe running across the country one time and you never see them again. And so um, learning that, I was like, man, we got a van. Like, let's just do it. And so and that's been a lot of fun. That's yeah. what that map right there is. So those little red pins are, are all outstanding shipments that need to be made. And so uh, and that's just been updated in the last week. So that's been a, that's that's been a fun uh, kind of process to yeah. take over. So uh, how many employees do you have now? Then I'll be part of the team. Uh, there's two of us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess technically three. Okay. So uh, it's me and my wife, and then our driver, and so uh, and then I guess if you count the buyers, there's four, and so. Uh, yeah, I guess if you start adding it up, there's probably seven yeah. or eight. And so uh, the upholstery here. But yeah. you really manage like, <laughs> yeah. part of the team. Yeah, I guess like if we really start going down the line. It's normally just me, though, here in the yeah. shop is, is how, it, has how it is. Me or or uh, or my wife, Brooke. Mm -hmm. But um, because everybody else is out of state, you know, our, our upholsterer has their own shop down the street. So it's just a quick drive if we need to swap stuff off. Um and then the driving is just kind of its own thing. So, 
Yeah. What uh, finishing out? What, where do you see this going? What's the plan? What's the? You said you mentioned you got a kind of a business coach and a business someone that you, you can yeah. talk to. Like, what is the? You know, do you see you just continuing to move to a bigger location, hiring more employees, having a warehouse somewhere? I mean, um, what's the plan? What do you want to do? Man, I I really want to stay the size that it. I mean, any it could change tomorrow, right? But um, I would love to keep it even keel. To be honest, um, it's kind of in a good spot right now and um, our family's growing and it's been, you know, it's been tough with the kids. But, you know, being able to have that affordability to be able to, to kind of grow, I would hate to put more stress onto it than what's needed. But as far as even just the business side, um, I just really want to get into building building is kind of the next venture that I that I want to do and, and not extravagant things or anything like that but I've been getting a lot of inspiration online I've just seen some really simple clean like bookcases or entertainment cabinets and things like that and so um, by proxy of doing all of this stuff all the equipment's back there and so it's been a lot uh, to take on that side and so being able to um, just create. That's been the yeah. most fun out of all of it is whenever I get those custom jobs to build something, that's, that is what actually kind of gets that flame going again. And so, uh, I think that's where I kind of see it going next as far as, um, what the actual business mm-hmm. side of it would look like. But nice. Yeah. You've got to keep those creative juices kind yeah. of fueled, right? Because, yeah. you know, yeah, this, as great as this is, it sometimes could get monotonous and you're like, we're just refinishing furniture. And like, I know that's amazing, yeah. but also like, I want to go create. Right. You know, like, well, and it goes for stuff like that. Or like, I think the, this little bookcase right yeah. behind me was something that I made. Like that was just like on a Monday when I was, I had some extra time and had a sheet of plywood laying around, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm starting to do stuff to kind of express that and learn it. Uh, but I'm also keenly aware now, unlike I was when I was 16 messing with Jeeps of what's actually in front of me. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So yeah, I'm looking forward to keeping an eye on it and seeing you grow, man. It's awesome to see. It's obviously great to follow the Instagram and finally great to sit in front of you and chat yeah, more of the story. It's uh, it's really cool to hear the story and how kind of your story, you know, weaves in and out of it and how you how you come to this business. But for people listening, how can they find you? Uh, Instagram. So it's literally just uh, it's midbin underscore OKC is the handle, uh, and then everything else is from there. So, um, yeah, awesome. easiest way. Yeah. All right. For people listening, I'll put the link in the description down below. You can go and click that link right now and go to the Instagram and shop and find <laughs> some inf- inspiration. And, uh, yeah, thanks so much, Adam. Uh, thanks, brother. We will catch you next episode. Cheers. Yes. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at OklahomaHOF. Our other sponsor, the Chickasaw Nation, amazing sponsor they do amazing things for the state and they're always sponsoring something in oklahoma they're a huge supporter of oklahoma and without their support we wouldn't be able to do what we do and our third sponsor is diffie ford lincoln down in el reno now this one makes me so happy because these guys are great friends of mine um play a lot of golf together i've bought my cars from them 
do most of my oil changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new used, um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out, DiffieFord.net, and then on Instagram at DiffieFordLincoln. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.